Welcome everyone to the Design 101 podcast. My name is Amanda Gates and I own Gates Interior Design in Nashville, Tennessee. My company specializes in living a stylish and holistic life. My goal with this podcast is to celebrate all the blessings that we receive from a well-designed life. I hope to introduce you to inspirational people, teach you new ways to live better, and empower you to design your best life through intention. There are many ways to achieve balance and harmony in our lives, but it all starts at home. Join me each month to be inspired, transformed, and motivated to live your best life. Hey, hey, everyone. Amanda here. Today's guest is going to be Moana Dixon and James North of The Hunted Box. And I actually found Moana on Instagram uh, over the holidays and was blown away by her Instagram account. Completely loved it. Her look and her feel embodies everything that Gates Interior Design is all about and how we approach interior design. But in addition to that, once I went over to her website, She has an incredible curated uh, website full of goods that are just all things that, in my opinion, make a beautiful home. It's that collected, eclectic feel uh, that really starts to turn a house into a home. So I'm excited to talk to her today. They are out of uh, her and James North, and then she's also got uh, another designer, Kathleen Kahn. They are based out of LA, so I am really excited to talk to them today to find out more about The Hunted Fox, how this came about, how they curate and create their items, uh, and how somebody can really approach interior design in a curated uh, way, kind of like what we were talking about in the last podcast with Robert Leloux about really cultivating home and what that means. So let's get started. Hi, Amanda. Hi, is this James? Yes, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. So first and foremost, thank you for saying yes to this. I'm super excited to talk to you guys today. Thank you for asking us. We're like (laughs) super excited to be able to talk to you and be a part of what you have going on. So thank you so much for the honor. Well, it was interesting. I don't exactly know how I landed on your Instagram account. Although I will say that like on a Saturday morning with a cup of coffee, I can go down the rabbit hole of Instagram. And so I think that's what I did. And I think I somehow landed on your page. And so I was scrolling through the photos and I was like, oh my God, these guys are like totally rad. I need to like reach out to them. They're awesome. Um, Because a lot of what we do in my design firm is it's all about you know, curating a home and cultivating style and, you know, uh, really collecting things, not just, you know, hiring an interior designer to come in and like knock everything out in three months. Like we really like to cultivate and curate. And so I just really felt like you guys embodied that. So that's why I reached out to you and I was like, oh my God, please say yes, because I just love everything that you guys are doing. (laughs) Thank you. That's so awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. So you guys are in LA. Are you natives to LA or transplants? I was born in Whittier, California. So I'm, and which is in LA County. So I'm an LA native, but I grew up in Southern California, um, Laguna Beach and San Clemente, which is kind of the southernmost part of Orange County. And then Jimmy's LA, yeah. New York. I'm a, I've had kind of a mixed bag. I've um, been by coastal since I was about three between, um, LA and New York. So I've, uh, I came back here in 2000 and I don't plan on leaving. (laughs) Um, so since you have a, a strong, like between the two coasts, uh, you know, comparing the two, obviously you're favoring LA. Uh, what are the biggest differences for you? What, What have you found that makes LA so much better? Ooh, you know, <clears throat> I wouldn't say it's better. Okay. Anyway, I think that it is just a preference on, on weather. California, we really don't have any. And New York, it gets, you know, it's, it's just bitterly cold for so long. Um, you know, I think with the internet, design is, and, and style has really transcended region. You can go into Austin, Texas and see some awesome design and, uh, you know, uh, Charlotte or, you know, whatever. It really doesn't, it's not 
predicated upon where you are per se. Um, so that's not why I live here. I, I live here mainly because of just the weather and, 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 uh, obviously LA is very textile rich. So for what we're doing, it, you know, the resources here are just, you know, unparalleled. You know, one thing I would say is a comment on kind of lifestyle between New York and Los Angeles. We have a ton of friends and we spent obviously a lot of time going back to New York is that we, we have a ton of dinner parties. We have a, <laughs> I, ordered a table uh, that was a no return table that was 10 feet and didn't realize that it was way oversized for the room that we have it in and couldn't return the darn thing. So we decided to just make the most out of it. So we have dinner parties all the time and we have friends that come out from New York and they say, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. We, we don't do this in New York. Like people go out to dinner, but people don't go over to your house and kind of sit, you know, around the table. It's just not exactly something that we do and no holds barred based on that alone. I don't think I could ever be a New Yorker. I mean, I love to travel to New York, but I could never live in a space where I didn't constantly have the opportunity to have dinner parties and people over and just kind of sharing our space. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm actually born and raised in California too, Southern California, and then I went to school in Northern. And I'm in Nashville now, been here for about 10 years, but I will say that I miss the weather. Um, and I just miss the proximity of everything. Like you can be in the mountains, you can be the ocean. Like there's just, there's so many things in proximity to you. Um, and it's always pleasant. Um, don't like the traffic, but like the weather is always pleasant. And from a design perspective, you're right. There is so much more at your fingertips. And there's, to me, there's more available craftsmen that can do just about anything and everything. And so um, that was probably one of the biggest shocks for me when I moved to Nashville is like uh, I could do a whole home in L.A. like for drapes, for example. I could do textiles and do this amazing uh, drapery job for, I don't know, $7,000. And here in Nashville, one window can be $5,000 easily. There's just not as many available people and there's not as many craftsmen or tradesmen. So it's a little bit more challenging to do things. So I loved that about LA, about how design oriented it always was. Yeah, accessibility is key. We we find ourselves running downstairs for last minute things regularly. And to, you know, if if we didn't have all the resources around us, I don't think we would, uh, I don't think we would function. I don't think I'd know how to function. (laughs) So... Tell us about Hunted Fox and how that came about and how you two started this. Circling back to a point that you made earlier when you were talking about when you were looking at our Instagram feed, this point that I've been, we've been kind of trying to craft into our mission statement is the idea that, you know, your home is really the foundation for everything you do in your life. And I think we all know just even relationally, if things in your home aren't great, Nothing outside of those four walls is great. And it really just kind of, it it either sets the foundation or disrupts the foundation for everything that we do in our universe and how we affect everything around us. So as we were, you know, Jimmy and I have been designing and creating and doing things together for many years. The market has done a lot of uh, crazy things in the last, you know, 10 years as we were trying to flip houses and, or getting into kind of redesigning and we've done a few house projects and, you know, opportunity and timing weren't aligning. And we were in a season of our lives where we were going in different directions and kind of taking a break. And Jimmy was renovating a house and he asked me to come out. I was working in a restaurant in Vermont and he asked me to come and help him finish all the soft goods in the house. And this rebuilding of this house was really the thing that rebuilt our relationship. And it occurred to me that as we were, you know, putting all these pieces together and carefully, carefully selecting, you know, the, the lamps with the inlays and the pillows and that these inanimate objects are really the truest and most persevering witnesses to our lives. And as a foundational piece is, you know, what a home is and what its primary function is, that your home and the curation of it is a lot more important than just making it look good or making it represent you. It really is the binding. Um, it's kind of the glue to every relationship and every family. And I think that was something that really became present to me during that season as we were rebuilding the house. And then it, it just took some time for that seed to kind of start sprouting. And a couple of years later, um, I was reading a book that just really put some words down that really imposed upon my life the idea that 
now was the time and we needed to move forward and start going in a direction where we were kind of taking that belief and moving it into a space of purpose and action. So we started The Hunted Fox. And how did you come up with that name? It was kind of a play on Wes Anderson. Um, Are you familiar with Wes Anderson? A little bit, yeah. Um, He does all the uh, kind of fun, quirky, uh, I don't know what you'd call them, like kind of indie films that are just fun and great scripts. Mm -hmm. And The Fantastic Mr. Fox is a brilliant movie that he did um, that's a claymation uh, film, and I think George Clooney uh, did the voice of the lead character. And there's a husband and wife, Fox, and they are just – they're just a really funny couple that has a, a great, and if you haven't seen the film, I don't want to blow it for you. Um, they just have a great kind of a dynamic between them. And it was, I think about in the film, there's kind of a sequence of sort of starts and stops and sort of life changes and, and they're sort of uh, building a life and trying to build a better life. And so I think it was just born out of a little bit of humor and a play on something that we kind of both identified with and just, I think, an admiration for the film and the the writing. And it was kind of a duct tape of a handful of things that seemed to be interesting. And then you Google and no one has it and you're done. (laughs) And in in addition to that, you know, we were the, the, the basis, a lot of what we were doing at the time was really sourcing or finding and and collecting, like you said, those elements that are the, the hard pieces to really, set a design apart, you know, or, or better yet to, to tie it all together. Right. So, um, at the time we were traveling a lot and, and collecting whether it was in, you know, Morocco or, I mean, even here in our backyard in LA and, and, and flea markets and just, we, we, we had met all of these amazing people and, and we were finding ourselves, um, with cars, uh, car loads full of, of these great goods. And so we're like, well, all right, we're, we're essentially becoming our own souk. How, <laughs> how do we monetize this? And, and I, and we knew that people would benefit from it because again, we did have this, uh, um, access to things that other people didn't have, um, you know, beyond the internet. And, uh, so it was kind of an amalgam between this, uh, I don't know, I, I, how would you say, you know, selling other people's goods and then crafting our own. And so the it's hunted things, fox you know, kind of finders of good that. things and about having an eye and being able to, um, I think kind of <clears throat> see things that, and put collections together that other people don't exactly see. For instance, um, Jimmy's heading out right after this call to go and, adjust some staging on this incredible house that's selling in the Hollywood Hills or something of that nature. And they are, it's 100%, would you call it like Regency style? Like very, but extremely, I mean, zero out of the box. And it's interesting as we were pulling pieces from our collection where if you, if you look at a lot of our pieces, you might think, oh, well, it looks kind of boho or worldly or, you know, or it's a little, um, we have things that are kind of all over the place, but pulling our pieces into an environment that's like a very astringent design aesthetic, I feel brings a lot of life and it's what takes that aesthetic and makes it feel real and lived in. And I think the reality is I would say that my style is and probably will always be 100% transitional because I don't think that people, unless you have an obscene amount of money, ever really design a house top to bottom at once with 100% of every design element being curated for that look and feel. And I think that we all live our lives in transition and we all have pieces and we're sitting right now at a coffee table that I rolled down the street from a flea market that I got for 40 bucks in my 20s. I will never give this coffee table up and this will always be part of my life's transitions and of our style and it may morph, you know, and change and morph into different things. But I think most people have parts of their lives that they collect and they live in their houses. And I think when we bring pieces into Um, like this stylized setting that are very kind of global or come from a a different space, but still are binding pieces. I think those are the things that'll glue this house together and make it feel like a home, not just a stage setting. And I think that's, and I'm not articulating it very well, but that's kind of our our landing point or a sticking point for our brand is that they aren't just um, style pieces. They're, they're life pieces. They're, they're things that make bring kind of soul to your home, if you will. 
<clears throat> and I think that's so important. I think that's one of the things that really drew me to you is that I think that people have gotten this proclivity to really that one and done where I was just watching um, a decorating show the other day on television. I, I'll turn the TV on and kind of have it on and, and as background noise. And this girl was searching or buying a house or something. And she was like, I have to have a white kitchen and I have to have white subway tile. And I have to, have to, have to, because that's what all the, you know, the design things do. And that's what my designer heart wants. And I'm thinking, man, she's just really not cultivating that style. And she's really not um, really thinking about what is true to her heart and what is true to her style and, and giving her home that soul that it needs. And I love that your pieces, your approach is much more about cultivating it over a lifetime because I think a lot of people have gotten this mindset that you do need to go out and buy everything all at once, even if you're buying a bunch of really cheap shit to fill your house. Mm. And I, I really, you know, I'm a feng shui practitioner and I've been one for 20 years. And so it's so important to me that people fill their homes with things that they truly love. And like you have this amazing cocktail table that you rolled down the street for 40. I mean, it has a story, you know, and, and, um, if you just run out and buy something from TJ Maxx or, or some cheap place, it's not going to have that story. It's not going to have that life to it. And that's not, to me, what creates a home. So I love that you guys really approach it from that aspect so that each individual item truly has love and starts to fill up the space in that way that does bring joy to your life. Totally. I'm, I'm not afraid of a little TJ Maxx though, girl. Like I can, I can TJ Maxx, like nobody's business, but it, it's, you kind of, you got to go from like cheap to chic. You have to kind of run the range. What was it? Um, what, a, um, why am I forgetting it? Oh, cool. J's like Fendi bag and a bad attitude. You got it. You have to just be able to <laughs> go from a thrift store to couture. Um, in the words of LL Cool J, um, you need to be able to run the gamut and do it kind of effectively you can sneak in cheap pieces but i think that it's always important that you're you, you have important pieces too well that's you know <clears throat> and to that point you know that's really kind of uh building out the space but those those pieces get replaced by the ones that you you know through your life experiences right and, totally and <clears throat> you know i was talking with my friend who i'm gonna go help uh complete this staging he he had mentioned he's like you know it's the he's like stagers get eighty percent of the job and then the twenty percent that just is like the you know the, that the jeune sequada the thing that will tie it together is missing the life and and the thing that makes it feel like a home and that would be attractive to a buyer um, and he's yeah, like you know he he, go, he goes you remember we, he and I had, had purchased homes in Palm Springs at the same time and we remodeled together our homes were very very similar in uh, in architecture and. So a lot of our elements were the same. And he goes, you know, you remember when we were doing our house, like, you, you know, it takes, it takes a year to kind of acquire the pieces that you really like or, and he's like, I'm still doing it. And, you know, that's pretty awesome that that feeling, you know, when you find that thing, you know, eight months down the road, you're like, oh my God, that's the piece that I, I wanted there. Um, and you're not going to find that running out that day to go, you know, or even two weeks notice to, to, to go, uh you know, finish up the job, right? So we love to teach people or inspire them or to put something there that would inspire them to keep an eye out for that piece and to show them that they can find it, that they can tap into the thing that they love, that they like, that has the story behind it. I'm actually sitting around, oddly enough, right now, <laughs> I can turn around and there's one, two, three, four, seven pieces from Kenya that... Um, <laughs> when, when we travel, we tend to, um, our friend dubbed us the, uh, stimulus package. The stimulus package. Oh, I love <laughs> it. Because we, we, we go with one small bag filled with four big to bags. Tribal village. And, and we can't, like, we can't get enough. And these things are, they'll Stimul be with us forever. And it's the story, right? It's the, you know, the, the thing that, that's behind that piece, aside from the fact that they're super awesome. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people I think are, they, they don't acknowledge, like you said, when she goes, I need to have this, I need to have this. It's not, she, she's coming from a perspective of influence being that Instagram is an awesome resource. Pinterest is an awesome resource. 
for all of these great, inspiring designs that are easy uh, to fall in love with. And it's so different when you live in a space and one day you look around and you're like, I, this isn't me. You know, this isn't, this isn't what I wanted. Juan and I go through that every year. <laughs> on a regular we, we love it now and then six months from now she and I are repainting our living room oh my God. Um, but all of those pieces still exist and they and like there's things that will never leave like the coffee table and so you know it's the artwork and, and, and I think we did a rundown the other day of if we decided to completely strike the house what are the things that aren't going anywhere and I think when we're working on design projects with people one of the first things that we ask them is like you know what are your what are your things that aren't going anywhere? And like, what's your story? What's happening in this room? Tell me, tell me what you do when you come in here. Who are the people that sit here? And how does your life unfold in this space? And that's kind of our starting point. And, and then to really figure out why they like that. Yeah. So, you know, all right, I need to have the, the subway tile. Why? No, <laughs> and, well, no, why? why? What, what is it that you like about it? And, and really get into it and ask the questions. Um, you know, Again, part being the stimulus package that we are, and, and, and totally on a budget, by the way. We just will buy ten things from one person. Um, the uh, the the thing that we did quite often was blow through a budget. Um, that's like we'll we'll buy way too much, and and so we started to do lookbooks, and it became you know, our blueprint for what we were actually purchasing. We could visualize a space. We could, you know, I mean, we got it pretty close. And so I try and anytime I'm working with somebody, I really ask them, you know, with a Pinterest, you could put a board together. Um, but I like to get more detailed on than, than just a Pinterest board and to develop a lookbook that will really be their blueprint for, for what their home will look like. And they'll really get in, into it. You know, you can, you start to really see what it's going to become. And it allows you that the the ability to go out and, and find things or to, you know, be surprised by something like, oh, that that actually would work really well in that space. But that they can do it together. So let's say we have a budget, let's say a client has a super tiny budget, we put a full lookbook together as a completed, you know, it's a finished home or finished aesthetic for their entire space. They, they may only have the budget to get through half of it, but the purpose in giving them the lookbook is so that while we're working on the project together, they can go out and try to find those pieces themselves because they should speak to them. But it's really important, too, to teach people how to do um, – how to actually do – the design work themselves and it is never our intention. I don't think it's realistic to complete a person's house top to bottom. They should have their hand in it. And it's great when we only get to complete 50% of the lookbook and they get that lookbook and that's their, their home Bible that they get the opportunity to then fill in all those pieces and they have a blueprint or a guideline and they know exactly what to do. And it's really authentic when they do it. I love that idea. I think that having a, a lookbook could really, you know, rather than them just hastefully, so to speak, looking online or watching a show or something and just picking something out of random because they feel obligated to choose it because that's what everybody else is doing. I think this really does help them to curate and get a better understanding of what their true authentic style is and to really start driving that delicious energy into building a home because that's when they'll start to um, you know, like you said, if they can only do 50% of it, then they do get on the hunt uh, and, and they can, you know, really start to manifest those items and then they can start to find and discover who they really are and what they really love so that they're putting and surrounding themselves with things in their home that really make their heart sing versus just, ran, you know, random things that they found on a whim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To that point, too, it's like we, we could fill that one enclave with that TJ Maxx piece and they then have the challenge of searching or, you know, you're on a trip to Tulum or wherever you are and you find that one piece that speaks to you. You can kick that TJ Maxx piece out and now your glory piece goes there because you knew kind of what those guidelines were going into it. And I think that's the idea is that it's just unrealistic to, I think, and I keep going back to this point, I think it's unrealistic to do a house top to bottom. And I think it's even more kind of false when someone else um, does – False isn't the right word, but it, I think it's 
it doesn't exactly have the same feel when someone does 100% top to bottom for you and you don't have any of your fingerprints on it. So I think the goal and one of the biggest things for us isn't, hey, look how great we are. Look at what we can do. It's really look at how many great things you have. Look at the incredible person that you are. You're the you're the glue to this house. Now, we can show you some great things, but you're going to go out and find great things too. And it's really about kind of empowering that do-it-yourself, um, participate in this, and we can start you off. But it's really, I guess, about coaching other people to be able to do it for themselves and to ch- to shift their lifestyle from thinking, oh, I don't have good taste or I had to have a designer to, no, you are creative too. This is your space. And you, and you now have the tools to step into it and be effective in completing it. I love that. I think that that's really and such a great word to say, you know, that we're going to empower you and and really give you permission to be creative. Because how many people say, oh, I, you know, I'm not creative. I can't do that. When in actuality, they just haven't stopped long enough to really try. And then they start getting into it. And that's when the, you know, the, the manifestation of creativity and excitement and love really starts going in those items and uh, makes the space more beautiful. Exactly. 100%. And, you know, it's, it's, if you're able to give them the little tips along the way, you know, I mean, even just hanging curtains, um, you know, give, giving them some some guidance that they can then think about and and uh, participate in that they own that. It's like it's it's real confidence that they're proud to speak of or, you know, that they're 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 eager to tell the story of, uh, you know, whatever it might be, a piece of art or, or an item of shoot, it could be a, a chandelier that they hung above their dining room table. Um, you know, that, that, one foot higher. that, that's a, you know, that, yeah, that's like a, that's something real that they own. And, and that story is that much better because of it. So tell us a little bit about Hunted Fox and you have items up on your website, but are these things that you go out and you travel and you find, or are they items that you curate over time and sell? Are they things that you make? Is it a little bit of both? Tell us a little bit about that and, and the, the items that you do have and, and have on your website. Well, you know, kind of like the the, the growth of, of our individual home, uh, the company is quite has been quite biological. We both have separate careers. I'm a creative director in, in the, the, the marketing Area and Moana is the West Coast VP of a, um, a spirits brand, and so this was this has definitely been a, a plan B. And as we're trying to build it out, it's been you know going through its changes. So we make our own goods, and that is by far our, our goal to really be uh, focused on our own lines, whether they be uh, pillows, blankets, throws, uh, poofs. Um, things of that nature, but we can't pass up some of these great finds that we have. So it's been somewhat of a souk and uh, we are getting ready to launch a new website that will be a little bit more focused in our lines uh, as we get kind of on par with, you know, releasing specific lines of goods. I think we started off as hunter gatherers. And I think that was the, that was kind of our tipping point. It was a, we have a ton of things, B it's time to do this. And that was our original perspective. And I think as we've built our own confidence in what we're doing and, and established our own platform, we've moved into a much greater creative space. And I think that we're really trying to, I've sewn since I was a kid. So we sew, uh, I'd say, I don't know. I, I don't know what the percentage is like the kilim pieces and, you know, kind of those vintage, uh, most of like the vintage kilim pieces are things that we've collected, but all of our other pillows are all hand sewn. And we've really wanted to move into a space where we're being a lot more creative and we have, uh, you know, it just takes time like everything else to kind of roll over. And I think that we have the agenda to move into a space where we're almost a hundred percent custom, um, and, you know, handmade, and with a small, a smaller collection of good things. But I think one of the coolest parts is that we have designers that come into our studio for a pillow or for a throw or an accent piece that's a soft good that they're aware that we have. And they look around and they go, oh, my God. <laughs> I just found the 20 things that I didn't know where the heck I was going to find. And they're sitting on your shelves. And I like that. I like being able to complete something. 
And what makes you say yes to an item, whether it's something that you do uh, find from your hunter-gatherer days or something that you uh, decide to make into a pillow or, I mean, you've got great poofs, you've got great rugs, um, I love your dream catchers, like you have a lot of really great things. So as you're putting these collections together, what really makes you say yes when you're out and about and you see these things? Um, for starters, I'm like, uh, stop, pull over. Um, <laughs> uh, gal, wife in the car, I'm the worst. Um, I'm a yard sale junkie. I have no shame whatsoever. I, I'm never going to pass up a Goodwill if I have an extra five minutes. You never, ever, ever. I've been thrifting. I mean, you know, I was in high school and first sewing, it was you go to a thrift store and try to find great old coats and, you know, or whatever, and dresses and tailor and maxi dresses and um, A-lines from the 60s and tailor, you know, and that was kind of how I cut my teeth in, you know, in sewing and was altering. And there are so many incredible bones and vintage pieces. I just think just they're universal good finds and you never know where they're going to pop up. So I'm always on the hunt for a good vintage piece. And, you know, a road trip for me is like make sure we leave some empty space in the car, bring, you know, the roof racks because um, I will live and die in an SUV so I can always lug a piece of furniture off the side of the road. And I think the opportunity to see something beyond exactly what it is today and what it can be. So to that end, you know, lugging a piece of furniture off the side of the road that I completely stripped down and redo because the bones are great to, you know, whenever we travel as much as I love, you know, the great stores, I I'm always looking up, you know, when we go to Paris, I always look up, you know, the flea markets and the dates and we actually book our travel around the big flea markets and getting out to this one village where, you know, this one person said that, you know, someone is weaving these textiles. And when we travel, especially, you know, Mexico is really close. Um, I do a lot of research trying to find out where we can go, where we can go completely off road. And I think to find the dream catchers, it took me like two or three days circling like down these jungle roads, like back and forth and jumping from one person who didn't want to tell me to the next person who wasn't going to tell me to find this one artisan that was making these dream catchers. And for me, that's kind of, that's just, that's the joy. That's like a great vacation for me. <laughs> I'm probably not the, the best person to travel with, but I, I just dig the adventure of trying to find something that's, that's super funky and fun. I did like I, that. Did I answer your question? I felt like I completely went off on a journey. Well, and I think that's probably how you find things. So I loved it. What about you, uh, James? What do you think about uh, what, what makes you say yes? Um, you know, when you when you see something that you just can't leave there, you know, you're you're like that's that that's awesome, and I need to. I don't know what I need it for right now, but if it's reasonably priced and I can I can walk away with it, I I we do that. Um, can I say, we're rule breakers too. You know what my least favorite thing to see in any magazine or any blog is? What's out this year? I'm like, no, I like it. I don't care if it's out. If I like it, I like it. I don't care if it was two years ago or last year. If I'm into it, I'm into it. And I, I think we both break the rules all the time. And I think that's the thing. You have a really, really incredibly acute artistic eye. And we've held on to things that people are like, oh, that's so, okay. I mean, you know, like granite countertops, like there are certain things that are just like should be buried or set into a <laughs> But there are other things I think that are classic pieces. And I think that's also like you've, you have incredible taste and being able to hold on to the things that, and I think that's maybe what makes a person with good taste is that when you're able to hold on, and I'm speaking about Jimmy here, when you're able to, to hold on to things that are just, they're great because they're great. And even though they may have been trending last year or two years ago or five years ago, if they're great, they're always going to be great. And it's knowing how to let go of the things that aren't so great. And you're really, really good at that. Although we, we do get super hyped on a trend. We just don't stick. Time, the word timeless comes into mind. I don't know why, but that, that's, yeah. I think you can tell when something is just, you know, this is always going to be cool. It's yeah, a good word. You know, and, and, and uh, again, it's a personal choice, right? I, I don't think that, um, I'm surprised every day when some, if I've been working a lot with leather lately, so I've, I just started to make all these leather pillows and people will come into the studio and they're like, oh, that's amazing. They fall in love with it. I'm absolutely shocked. You know, I'm like, wow, you like that too? Like, oh, this is awesome. So, um, I, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I think it's the timeless thing. You know, it's like, well, I, I can find that anywhere. I've seen that, you know, 
I've seen that around a lot, but that piece, I, that's, I, I don't see that that often and I'm really into it. I don't know why, but I need it. Um, we have a lot of those things and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, shit on shelves. We yeah, have a shit, lot of shit on shelves. Yeah, shit on shelves <laughs> is what we call it. Um, but they're good shit on shelves. Uh, so, you know, the, that I think, you know, you just know, you know, if there's a piece you can't pass up, if it's a piece of art from an artist that's in a, you know, uh, in a community art fair, that's just like, what is that guy doing here? And why is his, you know, why is that piece, you know, uh, calling to me and, and where would it go? Or, you know, what do I need to change around to make that happen? When we were doing our house in Palm Springs, we, I don't know what it was. Mo goes, Hey, there's this, there's some like art fair going on. I think we should just go walk through. I have a feeling we're going to find the piece of art that's perfect. And we're walking through and we found the coolest five by five uh, painting that's, you know, it's, it's just epic. It is absolutely amazing. And we met the artist and the artist happened to be like a pretty well-known artist who he didn't want to transport his pieces. He was like, he was kind of at the tail end of a tour and he was just tired. And he's like, I just, so he gave us like an insane deal on this piece. But I, I would say, to be honest with you, I hate asking the question and sort of hypothesizing, well, where does it go and what are you going to do with it? I'm a gut punch gal. And I, if I like it and I want it, I'm like, nope, got to have it. And if I want it and we get it, we'll figure it out and everything else will fall into place. And, you know, to us, you know, we also kind of like navigate in and out of a whole bunch of different spaces. So it's a little bit easier for us to say that than other people. Because we could probably stick something somewhere else in another project if it doesn't work in this one. Well, and it sounds like you're really in touch as well, just with really knowing. I think that somebody who I think of that really embodies timeless design is Ralph Lauren. Like, he just does whatever the hell he wants to. And if you look at all of his homes, he is always stuck with the things that he truly loves and what speaks to him. And a lot of times it isn't on trend. It's always been... Um, more of the Navajo style and leathers and, and really what I consider classic. But um, I think yeah. that if you do really own it and you really know and are confident about the things that you love, you can put them together in a beautiful way and it makes sense. And then what's neat about doing it in that way is that you do get this eclectic style that is different from everything else that isn't on trend, but it's like you supersede the trend because you're doing your own thing, which makes it even cooler. So I think that when you can really get in touch with that, that's when you can start building that amazing home that, you know, every single piece has a story to it. So it's like you're writing your own novel, so to speak. Yeah, I think one thing that we, I, I think maybe it's a small blessing that we suck at it. It's A, we don't have the time to to pay attention to what everybody else is doing. And, you know, because we obviously, we have our, this is our, I guess, plan B that we're trying to convert into our plan A. Um, so this is our secondary gig. So, you know, spending the amount of time on Instagram and, you know, and reading magazines and seeing what everybody else is doing, we don't have the luxury of doing that. So we're really focused on just kind of, it's, we do really kind of ebb and flow a lot with our gut and what we're feeling and thinking about. And I would say we suck at trends because, and it's really just like a timing issue. We don't have time to focus on what everybody else is doing, but I also kind of feel like I, I land in that statistic of when I open a magazine, I just feel worse about myself by the time I close it. I just kind of, it kind of makes me feel a little bit happier to just ebb and flow and not be so focused on what's trending, what everybody's doing, what do we need to do and where do we need to go? I kind of like being stuck in a little bit of our own head and just, and granted, there are a lot of things that are trendy that we certainly do have, but I kind of feel those things come a little, a little bit more naturally because they're things that were always a part of my being. I'm Hawaiian. Um, uh, my father was German, is German, Scottish, and a little bit of Seminole Indian. So ethnic textiles for me are like in my bones. I will never land in a country that I don't find something that is indigenous to that country's, uh, you know, art or lifestyle that I don't say I've got to have that. That needs to come home with me. And I just love culture. And I think that that's, that's my currency. And I kind of vibe more on things that, and I think you do too, on things that we saw somewhere in person or it reminded us of this place that, you know, we were in, 
in, you know, Marrakesh or whatever it is. And that's kind of how we're, how we dictate what we do style wise. I want to know, I was looking at your website at the, the custom work and my grandfather is Cherokee Indian. So like I said, I really resonate with everything that you have on your site. Um, but I want to know if teepees are going to become your thing because I loved the teepee that you built. Uh, I assume it was for a client or someone, but, um, (laughs) is this something that we can expect in the future from you? (laughs) So funny. I think there was a hot minute when I was like, teepees are my thing. And then teepees became everybody else's thing. And I thought, let them have them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we did that teepee is, was one of the most I will have to say, I still like my heart swells when I think about it. And we built that in our living room. It was, it's one of the most beautiful things I think I've ever created. And we did, um, we draped it basically with 120 inch linen. And unfortunately in the photos, I think that we have, or that we have posted, you can't see, I made a, like a seven foot round Moroccan poof out of white denim, denim. And I did some like hand embroidering on the center uh, the center of it to kind of make it look like a real Moroccan poof. I did the whole kind of like star thing and it was a really incredible project for us to work on because it was really early on in our company's, you know, like stages and it was a beautiful home and a beautiful project. And we were just, I don't know. I felt like a kid making it because we were making it for kids. You know, what was really cool about that is uh, a, 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 a friend of ours is a really talented designer in uh, San Diego and she reached out to us if we could make a teepee and we looked at each other and we had, we had made one previously and, um, and she, this one was going to be quite larger and we never saw the home. We, We absolutely did. We had no idea what the home looked like. We just knew what she was asking for. And that was a hundred percent Moana who made that happen. And, when it went into the space and we set it up, first of all, the house is amazing. So we were totally blessed. We set it up and the little boy was sitting there reading a book in there. And the way like the sun hit, it was just, it was pretty epic. And by, you know, sometimes you just, you, you say yes to things, you know, that, we that say you yes just, to way too like, many things. <laughs> like, yeah, we could, we could do that. And then you kind of, you, you, you engineer it, uh, afterwards but it came out so well and it looks so beautiful and i would love to do things like that in the future um i'll always throw down a teepee i don't care if it's like 20 years from now yeah i don't you know having done it you know you give yourself a blueprint so we know what we what we would maybe try again um but i don't think it's something that we're gonna you know we're gonna hold on to it you know to to manufacture and then hold on to it and then hope to sell it because they're 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 time consuming and and you know kind of pricey so definitely want to do those again, and and we would look forward to doing something like that in custom. But and I wouldn't be upset if it, you know, we ended up being the engineers of the coolest TPs for kids' rooms. I would love to be able to earn that title, but I think that's just kind of a. I'd say if that's what naturally occurs, then I would I would gladly go down that river. In my the, you know, that, that's the other thing too is you know when we were setting that up, we saw we. Uh, Put it this way. Our kids will definitely have a teepee. That was, I mean, every kid dreams of being able to, you know, land a massive poof with their parents and read books and stare up at a dream catcher. And that's a dream. Yeah. That, that, that job in particular, when we were looked, looked around the kids room and it gave us a lot of uh, inspiration for, for other things. We've been doing these Ottomans lately that are um, very functional, um, they're really they're, they're they're awesome. They're super lightweight. They have a foam core. They they meet all the demands of a guy who's six foot three and two hundred and thirty pounds, two hundred and forty pounds. And a two year old can move it. <laughs> yeah, and 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 they're they're lightweight. They don't take up a lot of space, but they give all that function. So we started to make them for kids' rooms, and we were looking at um, other things like the art in that room was just amazing. So oh yeah, for sure. It, it broadened our horizons, you know, and and, and inspired us. Um, to do a lot yeah. of the kind of cool things, but teepees, yes, always. I'll never say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's such a great idea because you know, again, with being a feng shui practitioner, I I always try to get my homeowners as centered as I possibly can. And one of the things that I always recommend is to start meditation in their lives. And 
I thought, you know, if you could really make it fun and create this incredible space, I mean, what not better to inspire you and motivate you and and just really bring childlike wonder back to your life is through a teepee. I mean, <laughs> who yeah. doesn't want one? <laughs> oh, I, uh, the kid looked like he was. He, it, it was. He was absolutely really cool. owned it. He's like, this is mine. This is going to be where I sleep more days than or more nights than not. And uh, it, it it was. Oh, I want to be a kid again. Yeah, no kidding. No more adulting. Yeah, done. Overrated. (laughs) So tell me, uh, James, you had mentioned that you've got a marketing background. I'm just curious. I do have a lot of uh, interior designers that listen to the show, and they're always uh, interested in social strategies. And since you do both have um, other jobs that you're doing, and this is kind of a side gig for you right now, how have you really put together your uh, social platform and your marketing plan? And, and how have you really gotten the word out uh, to share this incredible endeavor uh, that you and Moana are doing? Well, I'd love to say that it was all by design. Um, <laughs> uh, honest, duct taping pennies together. Uh, and God, um, you know, <laughs> in, in my other life, I do um, really brand intensive strategies. And and really building out the the whole uh, the whole structure um, from get go, and and then allowing it to evolve from that structure. And this business was, let's just see if it works. Say yes to everything. Um, if if people for like it, yeah, for one year, just say yes to everything, <clears throat> and let's just see what what happens, and let's see who responds to it and why, and pay attention to that. Um, now, Mo tapped into some really cool aesthetic as far as the the visual and perhaps some language um, that resonated on Instagram and, and some social media. We've had a couple of you know good friends that have large followers, uh, you know, that were really into our stuff, or we had um, designed uh, some spaces for those people who posted, and that got us some attention. But really, it's it's honestly. Um, we've been very fortunate and, and really connecting with good people. That, that's really it, you know, connecting with other people because it's a community. And if I, I see amazing uh, talent throughout social media and I do pay attention to what's going on in Instagram because I've, I've started to follow just, I, I follow people. I don't care if they have 200 followers. If, they, if they're making something that I'm really like, wow, that's awesome. And then I go into my own rabbit hole like you do. And um, I start to see just all this awesome talent and, and I befriend them. And I think that I think it's it's the community that really will build you up as, as you participate and inspire the community. Can and I, we'll do the same for you. Can I add to that and compound that? When we started this venture, it was 100% sprung out of our own personal inertia, our passion. But to the point that Jimmy made about giving it a year of saying yes, we were really intentional on not squeezing this to death. You know, I'm a VP of sales. Jimmy's got everything strategy. Everything is so calculated. What we realized is that what's happening in the way that social media and the interwebs have completely shifted not only commerce. We we go global, you know, once we hit publish. And anytime you put something out on social media, you're actually – you're, you're having a conversation and this venture for us was so personal and it was all about shifting our lives. It was all about living with purpose and doing things with intention. So what we actually elected to do very specifically was to really be 100% true and authentic to ourselves and not worry about the marketing and not worry about pushing the sales. And we actually really 100% operated from the perspective of having the most genuine version of ourselves. As we look at everybody's Instagram feed, I can't tell you how brilliant everyone's life looks like, how perfect their sunsets Mm -hmm. always are, how skinny (laughs) everyone is, how amazing they eat. And everyone's teeth are whiter than I've ever seen. And it's like, we, I think we live in a universe where social media has given us the opportunity to construct a vision and a version of ourselves. And I think we actually tried to not do that. We kind of tried to say this is really who and what we are and what we believe. And by doing what we believed in, that that would actually inspire other people to want to join our conversation. And in fact, we didn't even tell our friends that we were starting a company, not even our family. We just sort of 
did it. And we did that so that we, we weren't pushing our, our Instagram or our social media or saying, show up to this event, do this thing, follow us. We wanted them to want to follow us because they believed what we believed, that we are creators and we were created to create and we're just going to do it. And this is the new chapter of our lives and join us if you want. And it was crazy to watch these like insane blessings just fall out of the sky and people just start showing up. When you do something like this organically and it truly is from the heart and there's so much passion behind it, you're, you're, you're again, you're driving in that delicious energy into this so that it can expand and become what it is that you're really visualizing. And I agree. I think that a lot of these social accounts are, they're putting this um, fake sense of what people's lives really look like. And, and I always say like, you, you have to learn to have a relationship with imperfection. Like you can't grasp onto this idea that perfection exists because it doesn't. And so I, I, and again, I think that's why I was so drawn to you because you really embodied everything that, you know, when you just now said, uh, being very intentional and being very purposeful. I mean, that is, um, something that we constantly say in our own practice because we want to make sure that everything that's being driven behind the things that we do are driven that way. And I think that's where, uh, the beauty truly starts to transform and, and people connect with that. I think that when it is too strategic and too organized and, um, it's too, the, the plan is too far laid out, then it starts to feel a little too corporate and that's not really what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, 100%. You articulated that so beautifully. You must be a yogi. (laughs) I am. (laughs) I heard you. I feel you, girl. (laughs) Um, We're coming up on an hour here. I knew that this was going to go quickly. Um, I want to know from both of you, what are some of the, the best decorating tips that you can offer that you feel really make a home, which, you know, we've been talking throughout the hour, but what what are your favorite types of things to place in a home that really do make it a home and make it feel cozy? All of our pillows and blankets. <laughs> I would agree with so that. So cheap. I can't believe you just did that. No, but, but actually, that's, I think that's why we actually started to make those. It, it's, you know, when you walk into a home, if you want to sit down on the couch, if you want to snuggle up, if you want to have a conversation, you don't want, not, not about watching TV, about really connecting. Um, I think, I, I think that's the, that's what we're always striving for. And I think it really, it, it really accentuates the design of a home. And if it's, if that element is missing, people know it. I walk into homes all the time and I'm like, wow, this is stunning. I don't want to touch anything. Right. You know, right. I, yeah. and, and that to me is, it's, I, I totally appreciate it. I think it's amazing, but I would, I, it doesn't do that thing for me. Um, so do you I want think, to live your life on it. Do you want to face plan on that couch? Do you want to sit here for three hours and have the best conversation of your life? Do you care that that coffee table gets a ring on it or does it look lived in? Yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I, I have a handful of my personal rules. I love a table that, you know, that looks like it's in a French bistro that has rings and life and love and wine stains on it. Not everybody does. And I get that, but that to me is life. And it doesn't, it doesn't translate to every space, but my personal prereq is what do you want to do here? Do you want to sit here and have stiff, uncomfortable conversations? Or is this where you're going to have your family powwows? Is this where you're going to pile up with your kids? Are you going to face plan onto that couch after, you know, a long day at work? And I think that it's really, really important to design your home around the kind of life that you intend to live, not on the image that you want to project, because this is, this is kind of what establishes who you are and and how it goes down in your house is probably how it's going to go down everywhere else. And, and you know, from, for, for design tips, you know, for giving the layperson a design tip, you know, definitely focus on lighting. There's so much you could do now for, you know. Hang your curtains high. Yeah, in, inexpensively to, to just, you know, lighting is so important. Yeah, um, that's clutch. And, and being able to control your lighting, so dimmers get get dimmers uh then you know uh, yeah the curtain stuff you know like <laughs> one thing drives me crazy is seeing a, a curtain that, right that just, box. like uh it's like do you know your ceiling is eight feet tall and you just hung your curtain no <laughs> it's because stores uh, only sell short curtains and people feel like they need to accommodate the curtain not yeah. their space yeah fair enough it's the worst um i mean there's there's you know <laughs> those are the rookie <laughs> mistakes Totally. Yeah. All the basic stuff. I'm a rug junkie too. I don't, I, 
and you're like getting over rugs and we're just going to disagree <laughs> on this. I think that a rug, I think rugs and good soft, and I guess that's probably why our company is what it is because I obsess over those things. I love a good rug and I love being able to switch them out, move them all around. And I just feel like softness brings, I don't know, it kind of, it brings, it makes it easy for you to sit on the floor. It makes it easy for you to kind of just, you know, throw a pillow down and watch a great movie and snuggle up by the fire. I'm just like that too. I, I am a sucker for a good vintage rug that is beat up. And I, I just went over to a client's home the other day and, and I found her an old um, vintage kiln that is on her floor. I think I found it about 10 years ago and the edges are fraying. And so because they walk on it every day, it's starting to fray more. And she said, well, I think I'm going to get rid of that rug and I want you to find something else. And I was like, oh my God, why? She goes, well, it's really fraying. It's starting to look really tattered. And I said, yes, it looks loved and delicious and it's beautiful. And so, no, we're going to leave it. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's like, that, that's, that, that, that's what we desire, you know, is to see that. Um, I mean, I'm looking at my, our rug right now that's in our dining room and it's exactly what you just described. And, uh, I think she needed permission though. I think that she felt because it wasn't perfect and because it was looking tattered that, um, it was, you know, making her look or making her home look beat up and tattered. And so when I told her that that was perfectly okay and the more tattered it gets, the better, I think she was like, oh, okay. I didn't know that. And that's the, the yeah, point. That, was- that word is key. And I think that's kind of in, like a great way to embody our entire conversation is giving people permission. And I think the thing about the social media, it's like, don't worry about what you're presenting. I give you permission to be exactly who you are and to absolutely love every inch of yourself in your home and yourself in your home. And these things are lived in. They're loved. Do you know how many hours some woman sat or a village of women sat weaving those little threads together? And the fact that it's got some fraying and it still looks incredible in your house is like generations of culture and life all in one place. And giving people permission to really embrace that, I think, is really powerful. I love that you use the word permission. That's so awesome. I'm stealing that. Yeah. I like <laughs> well, you get it, or I'll take permission. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. I knew that I was going to. Again, thank you for saying yes to this. If people are interested in learning more about Hunted Fox and where to find you, what is your information? Where can they, where can they locate you? Um, huntedfox.com is our website and we are, you know, we're in constant growth. So we're always overhauling our website and there's a ton of new stuff all the time and it's constantly changing and it's completely imperfect and we're okay with that for today. So huntedfox.com, Instagram, we are the hunted fox and I think that's all we got for now. Yeah, and your Instagram account is amazing. So I would highly recommend that you follow that if you're listening. It's incredible. I mean, talk about great inspiration and motivation to get rid of all of your perfect things and <laughs> purchase yep. some imperfect things. I think is uh, it'll it'll definitely drive you down that road to or down we'll say down the rabbit hole of of wanting to uh, put a bunch of really great curated items in your home for sure. Thanks. We have, I forgot to say, we have our design studio, which is in downtown Los Angeles, and we are smack dab in the middle of the garment district, and we um, love seeing designers um, drop in, usually by appointment if possible, so we can make sure we're there, but we love seeing people and being able to work with people hand in hand, and we have an unbelievable mecca of things that we have not even had the time to photograph and stick up on our website, and people that want to shop actually are always welcome to make an appointment and drop in too. Awesome. And you had mentioned earlier that you are revamping the new site. Is that correct? Yeah. When is that going to? Ooh, Jimmy. <laughs> um, Husband. We're, uh, we're <laughs> I don't, maybe about a week. Oh, <laughs> deadline. Oh, uh, Put yeah. that date down. Just say it. No, it. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, it, it was supposed to be last Tuesday. No, it was December. <laughs> no, it was like October. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> That um, sounds about right. Websites always are, you know, it's kind of like a house renovation. Two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's brutal. Um, we are getting there. And when it happens, it's going to it's gonna be great. It's we're gonna on, be we're good. on like our ninth change order. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the benefit to that. So everybody knows that a new one is coming. So you just need to go there every day. And it'll be like a big surprise when it happens. Roger that. Yes. <laughs> All right, you two. Thank you so much for doing this. I am so appreciative. Thank you. Over and out. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.
Hi. Were they not just the cutest couple ever? Here lately, I feel like I've been on quite a quest to help my clients get back to basics. While writing the book last year, I learned so much about consumerism and how it's really changed in the last 30 years. And if you've noticed, I've been talking a lot about this, not only on the blog, but also here on the podcast. No longer do many people purchase because they covet something. They are instead really purchasing in haste because they wanna make their homes look done. They're, they're trying to make them look decorated. And I do agree with Moana that a Fendi bag and a bad attitude is really the right approach because you do want that high, low look, but you have to know how to do it. And assuming that everybody knows how to do that is not always the correct way because I've seen people try and <laughs> fail miserably. Unfortunately, too many people fear the wrong kind of things when they're doing their home and they end up with this lackluster look in their house rather than a beautiful, cultivated, curated home. One of my favorite quotes is, imperfection is beauty, madness is genius, and it's better to be absolutely ridiculous than to be absolutely boring brilliantly said by the one and only Marilyn Monroe. A house does not become a home overnight. So collect your things over time. Find beauty and imperfection and have a love affair with every single item you own because that's what creates a lasting relationship with you and your home. I'm your host, Amanda. If you liked this podcast, be sure to subscribe or leave us a comment. I would love to hear from you. If you have questions or comments, email us at info at thegatescompany.com. You can find me on social at the Amanda Gates or my website gatesinteriordesign.com. Bye for now.